Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of CRO Wisdom. I'm delighted to have today with me a dear friend and a cybersecurity and overall security expert, Renee Forney from Microsoft Azure. She's a senior director, Microsoft Azure Hardware and Security. Renee, welcome to this episode. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Atul, for um, having me. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you, Renee. So, Renee, one of the questions I always ask uh, the risk leaders that are on this episode, because their backgrounds are so different, how did your career start in risk management? Well, a lot of people probably don't know this, but I actually started my career coding. I designed software um, initially. And so I think in one way or another, I've always been in risk management because as a part of coding, you're doing secure coding. So you're either trying to minimize or mitigate the risk at that point. Um, so that's just something that came natural to me. Wonderful. A uh, little bit more. So how did that progress from kind of coding into actually into risk management? Wow. Um, so I've been doing this a long time. So, <laughs> uh, so go to go way back in the day, um, I was in network management network administration, right? And so as a part of that, I began to figure out how am I going to secure the network? So securing the network was a primary focus. And so of course you have to be risk-minded when you're thinking about how are you going to secure it? What mitigations are you going to put in place? So as a byproduct of being a security professional, I just easily transition, transitioned into risk management. That's wonderful. So Renee, let's move to the risk environment that we have around us today and how enterprise is dealing with it. What should be or are priorities of risk leaders today? I think risk leaders today should focus on making sure they have a good understanding of the threat landscape for whatever environment they're in, right? Um, doesn't matter which sector you're in, but make sure that you understand the operations of that sector so that you can clearly get a level of some type of visibility on the threat landscape in relationship to your environment. And then that will help you identify what are the things that I need to put in place um, to be able to manage our risk. So, Ray, I just remembered something. When I first met you, you were uh, at DHS. How yes. how is the risk landscape different today that you find compared to when you were in the kind of in the federal government? Oh wow, um, it's moved very quickly. It um, is never changing. Um, the adversary has gotten more skilled, but we too, where we are, you know, having some challenges in in keeping up, um, we too have more tools at our disposal as well. And so when I think about um, over that period of time, it, it's been great because there's a heightened awareness now. I think um, at some point, only the tech people cared about what was going on, you know, and now the risks are affecting the day-to-day -day operations of an individual, which makes it more relatable to, to folks, so. Right. Mm -hmm. So Renee, that brings me to, COVID and the impact. And one of the things we're seeing very clearly is that customers are moving from point in time assessment to continuous monitoring. Talk to us a little bit about how do you see that transition and what would be the things companies should do, enterprises should do to make sure that this transition goes well? 
Well, I think one of the things that people have to come to grips with is the fact that they're going to have to get away from or understand the true value of what what I call the three ring binder point in time assessment. Right. Um, no longer can we just rely on those. We've passed that point now. We are where we are. So I look at it from more of a multi layered approach. Um, multi set of defenses or mitigations that we can possibly put in place to help get a better understanding of what our risk posture is. Using continuous monitoring is one avenue for us to get there. Now, I know when I talk to folks, um, they, you know, have issues around, oh, it's so many false positives or things like that. But to me, I am a belts and suspenders um, lady, and I believe in if there is a challenge, let's find a way to be able to deal with that challenge. So one of the ways that I did that was I, I set up an environment where I use multi-sources, um, um, multi-open source intelligence sources, but to mitigate the false positives where you're just relying solely on the tool and the configuration of the tools um, that support the feed that you're getting, I set up a workforce of individuals who came from, um, and, and I'll say this, a, a veterans workforce. Because yep. when I thought about it, again, after my years um, at DHS, I thought about all of the people who worked in our watch floors and security operations centers around the world. And I was like, okay, how can we use that talent to bring that outside of a, a government or a military perspective and bring that into the private sector to help build that skill, build that muscle in that area. So I pulled in, I was lucky enough um, to be able to pull in some key professionals, both um, inside the US and also in Europe. Once we brought them in, and these are people who are already skilled in triaging content, understanding how to look at the false positives, understanding how to look at information in such a way to, to figure out what's important in there and what is this information really telling me, right? Look beyond the ones and zeros of what they're receiving. So once I established that workforce, brought them into the environment and then made sure that they were married up with individuals who had domain knowledge that you wouldn't believe about the area by which we were operating and brought those two together, that there provided us such a great and clear picture of the information that was being provided by the open source intelligence. That's where the rubber made, met the road and made that information coming from the OSINT credible. It put it in such a way that it allowed us to then go to business and have actionable items that we could address. And so I don't want folks to think that you know, some of the things that they hear about it are reasons to just turn away from it. We have to be able to bring them into our environment and figure out a way to make it work for us. It's really one of the closest things that we have in order to give us that real-time visibility or any type of indication that there are some things that are possibly um, need additional attention to where at that point, we might need to go in and do a point in time yeah. assessment, right? So again, yeah. I think a variation of the point in time assessments um, incorporated with the open source 
um, technology that's available to us now that that the intelligence has gotten better and I will say that so when you talk about the you know the length of time that I've been in here in this field I have seen it grow and I have seen it get better right and so I really do think that it's it's a positive thing for organizations to implement but understanding you have to have the right resources in your yeah. organization to make it effective yeah no absolutely Rene, you talked about this picture, open sources. I think one of the things that we notice very often is that when companies are looking at that picture, they're often limiting themselves to looking at the financial risk and the cyber risk of their third parties. Mm -hmm. But very clearly, we recognize the risk aperture should be much wider. Can you talk to us about what else should they be looking at? Oh, absolutely. So the... The one thing that I can say, as you said, the last couple of years, I've had the pleasure of working across multiple sectors. So I've done energy, law enforcement, national security, um, the financial sector, and now in hardware manufacturing. And so each one of those has their distinct differences, but there is one thing that ties them all together, and that's the IT infrastructure that supports those individual environments. So understanding what is happening within those environments, understanding having a very, very strong cyber um, insight as to how it's affecting your organization, I think is very key. But that's not where it stops. Looking at things like ESG in that social responsibility area yep. is, a, is another key area of risk that's important to us now. Um, and I think there's one other area of risk that people don't think of often, and that's ethics. Ethics in our workforce. Um, and don't know if you knew this about me, I'm actually um, an adjunct professor at Morehouse College. And so I have the pleasure of teaching software engineers um, about ethics and how it relates to the environment that they are going into and the power that they have given the technology that's there and the effects of that and how that can be affected in a negative way if we have unethical members of our technology workforce. Um, and so I, ju I just think that's a, a yeah. risk that we need to begin to look at. So Renee, I have not forgotten our planned collaboration on the ethics of AI. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> so Renee, talk to us a little bit about um, what impact automation is having on risk management and then kind of what are positive negatives that we should be aware of as we think about automation and AI in risk management? Well, the advancements that we've seen in our open source intelligence have really been spun by the advances in AI and machine learning. Um, it, it's now placed us in a position where we ourselves as humans can be alerted to anomalies faster, um, but it's now moved into the space where the machine itself can assist us in responding, right? Which puts us all in, a, in an overall better position, right? So I think use, utilizing the technology where it might have been designed for one thing, understanding that the impacts of it, you know, put us in such a better place when it comes to detection and response. Right, mm -hmm. no, I think, I think that's well put. Uh, I forgot to ask you a question. So, Renee, when we were talking about these different risk domains, right? You said ESG, financial, cyber, 
compliance, operations, location, nth party. Too often, companies have a solution that's very specific to that domain. They have a compliance and a finance and a cyber, and they're all silos. Yep. Any thoughts Any thoughts on how to overcome those challenges of these silos? Because you're not getting a singular view of all the risk related to your third parties, right? Absolutely, absolutely. What I am seeing now in industry, there is a big push to get a handle on operational risk. And so without having that comprehensive view, it puts you in a position where you just don't have visibility into your operational risk because where the risk lies is so stovepipe. And because it's stovepipe, you, you put yourself in a position where there are decisions being made in a silo that could actually affect the overall operations of the organization. So I do, I, I do think that that's an important thing that's being addressed now and folks are realizing that, hey, we need to do something in this, in this space. So Renee, let's switch to you, you know, instead of the industry. So Bloomberg recently declared chief risk officer, risk manager to be a hard job. What are your thoughts on that? It, I think it is, but it goes directly to our previous question, right? So without having that chief risk officer who can be the person that provides that comprehensive view. So we're not saying that those individual areas where the risk is being addressed and managed and massaged and brought to the top, does not need to happen, but it all needs to, to come together at some point where someone has purview over all of them in order to help us better understand our operational risk. Right, right. So it's the, the position is definitely elevated and the benefit and the contribution is definitely elevated. Absolutely, absolutely. So Renee, what resources do you rely on to make yourself a better risk leader? I spend a lot of time um, interacting with industry groups and my industry peers. So I believe in having a network of people who are operating in the same space that you are um, to rely on their best practices, right? Sometimes it takes a minute to get things, um, you know, written and published and things like that. But when you're a part of an industry group, that is focused on risk management at different levels within an organization um, and different areas, whether it be technology, finance, where, wherever the risk may lie. And you can come together and have open conversation and share best practices. That's truly where I have found my best information. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen you um on these calls as part of the risk board. So I absolutely know your contribution to that. <laughs> Thank you. So Rene, my final question, what advice would you have for future risk leaders as they think about their careers? Wow. So I think that anyone coming into the risk management field at this point in time should hold dear to their heart something that I've always done as a technologist. It doesn't matter what domain you go in, but do everything that you can to learn that domain. Learn it, learn how it operates, learn where it has opportunities, where it has challenges, 
learn how it communicates with the rest of the world. Learn what are the key areas that will help propel that organization to the next level. And what are the key items that are mission critical to keeping that organization functioning? When you can understand the organization as a whole, it makes it so much easier as a risk management professional to then bring in and help others who are on that probably business side understand the type of risk that you and I would be bringing forth to them. And so if you don't put yourself in a position where you understand how they think, see it through their eyes, it just makes it so much more difficult to have that risk management conversation. Meet them. Renee, what great advice, you know, learn deeply and make sure you're paying attention to the connective tissue. Yes. All that's around it. Yes, absolutely. Renee, absolutely. thank you so much for making time today and sharing your wisdom with our audience. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Atul. As always, it is a pleasure to chat with you. So thanks a lot.